Hey, hey, and we are live. Uh, welcome everyone tonight to another edition, another episode of Afterburn Soccer uh, as we talk about FC Dallas, North Texas, and plenty of other topics. We hope that uh, you find your way to our channel tonight and chat with us and shape the show. But regardless, we're going to have a good time as we get talking tonight. My name is Nathan Hill. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill. I'm a little wrangler for this, this year thing. There in the middle is our good buddy, Jose Carmona at El Chico Carmona. And he's working out some uh, some some technical issues uh, to, to get things going. And we, we welcome Ishmael Belcora at Belcora Ishmael on Twitter. Um, our, our, one of our North Texas resident reporters. To talk about FC Dallas, to talk about North Texas, to talk about the drama surrounding the team this past week, this past weekend. And uh, we got some clips. We got some post-game clips from Nico Estevez. I was able to actually, since I'm on the West Coast now, attend the game in person from the press box and ask Nico a couple of questions in person um, about the loss. So let's just start there. FC Dallas loses at L.A. 2-1, to one, down a man most of the match as Emma Tumasi is sent off. It gave up an early goal off the press. It was not an inspiring display. And yet the team hung around, tied the game up, and then gave up a late goal um, uh, to, to, to lose all three points. Um, yeah, so let's start there and get our just our reactions. Uh, Jose, is it working? Can you hear us? Well, maybe he's he is working out his technical issues. Ishmael, let's start with you. What were your reactions from this loss for FC Dallas? Um, I think we showed a lot of grit. I think the team showed like a lot of fight against the adverse conditions of what ended up happening. When you get three different VAR decisions um, against you, I'm not saying any of them were technically incorrect, but a lot of them were... Um, Subject, uh, like a subjective point of view, as as is the nature of refereeing. But despite all of that, to really like show like a lot of heart in the game was really um, it it really it, it gave it made the loss a little bit more bearable. And I think it's worth noting again that LAFC more likely than not is going to win some kind of trophy this year. And so when you look at losing to a team at their home stadium, 2-1, a man down after conceding a penalty and getting a goal knocked off, um, it's it, it's a good result. Um, it was a good performance. It's not a good result, but it's a good performance. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, – it was. now, Jose, can you hear us? All right, we're, we're just not. Sorry, guys. We can hear you, Jose. I don't know. We we can, See, hear, I can you. hear you all of a sudden. I can hear you all of a sudden. So I think something wrong with my headset. It's. But anyway, go ahead. Ask your question. Well, no, just your reactions to the game. Were you able to watch the match? I know you've been on the road. I was, I was able to watch here and there, and 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 honestly, I I think at, at the end of the day, a two-one loss. Being down a man for most of the match, um, against honestly the top team in the league, it's 
I mean, I think we all wanted to get that at least that point. So it is disappointing, but it's not upsetting. I, I don't, I'm not going to get upset over the results. I'm going to be upset, you know, disappointed as a fan that we didn't, we didn't get at least get a point out of there. But I'm not upset about it. Uh, if if we were not down to ten men, and and uh, it was a two one result, then I'd be upset and disappointed, and and I'd have some, you know, you know, I'd I'd be upset over a lot of players. But yeah. once you're down to ten men, honestly, you, you just want to hope your team has a chance to get out of there with something, and and the team gave itself a shot, mm-hmm. you know. But it's just hard to keep a team like LAFC to only two goals, you know. Or actually, really, allowing only one goal to him once you're down to 10. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully yeah. hopefully the team will take that as a positive, build on it, and, and uh, put up, you know, get us three points this next week. Well, let, let's get into it a little bit more on this. But let, let's first hear from Nico. So I was able, I attended the game. It was an interesting experience. Uh, to be in the press box and um, you know meet FC Dallas uh, media staff and, and 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 just be there present for the game, which you know once they're down one goal and then they go down to ten men, you're sort of like, well, it's going to be a long night, you know. And I think even the FC Dallas media staff and then FC Dallas just sort of hung around. They hung around. They uh, you know and, and created a chance. I even mentioned to the guy sitting next to me, uh, to uh, and I said, hey. Uh, you know, if they're going to get a goal, it's probably going to be off a set piece. And sure enough, um, the the tying goal came uh, in a truly that truly bizarre center back fashion that we've now had two games where that has happened. An Ibiaga to Tafari kind of exchange of sorts. Um, and so for a moment, you felt like FC Dallas outplayed LAFC over the course of the game. Um, and it's something that Nico even talked about. And so it's disappointing for them to give up that late goal, even though they had another chance at least to at least try to get something on frame at the end, didn't quite come together. So here's kind of Nico on how the team uh, responded. Uh, well, the first thing is uh, we, we didn't play good the first 15 minutes. We deserved that goal against, uh, and we have to be critic on ourselves and uh, look at ourselves first. Um, and then I think uh, after we scored the goal, Sergio's goal, I have doubts that how Hader can affect because he's very small, you know. And then it's more, I think, uh, Acosta trying to block that shot that doesn't let uh, the goalkeeper to save it. Again, if you see his goalkeeper, you know, McCarthy and, uh, and Hader, he has... Uh, a good view there, um, and after that, I think we we kept uh, responding, and uh, and then we had the red car. That is, uh, it makes uh, harder. Uh, you come in here against a good team, and uh, you you get a red car. Also, um, difficult to um, accept because the measure that the referee was giving since the minute that uh, Tillman uh, grabbed from the neck uh, Alan Velasco and he didn't show a yellow car, you know. Uh, he's putting that bar a little bit difficult to get cards. And uh, if you see the play, uh, what Ima is trying to do is not to go head-to-head. He's just turning his body to not go head-to-head. In this one, 
he has he's not even his he doesn't have even his arm like this he has opened his arm and with the biceps not with the elbow with the biceps he hits in his uh, face then questionable uh, one but it didn't go in our uh, favor at halftime we talked that we have a special group of players and a special group of players do special things, you know, and it's about going out there, recognizing that we didn't do well um, in the, the first 15 minutes and uh, and believing that we could uh, uh, came back strong and uh, having our chances in uh, some contra-attacks, some, some of the builders that we did well, even with 10 men and uh, set pieces uh, to score and to put the game a little bit uh, difficult for them. I think we did a good job on that. Um, and then after, um, they they had a, a little bit lag in the last uh, goal. It was a not dangerous uh, uh, shot, and uh, we put uh, that goal in. Um, but I think I'm very proud of my players, you know. It's not easy to come here and start sloppy, as we did, respond. Um, some of the calls didn't go in our way. Uh, and uh, we keep, kept responding and this show a lot for the strength of this, this team and uh, we, we take uh, some good learning lessons uh, today uh, to keep growing and to keep uh, using that for the rest of the season First question after we heard Nico and I just love how he talks about his players and, um, and his, uh, yeah, his, his, just his attention to the game was Emma done wrong? Was that a red card, in y'all's opinion? I mean, I mean, again, like it, I, it's really hard to look at these these kinds of calls that are definitely orange calls, and be like, yeah, it's a red card when you have a player in the Charlotte's New York game going cleats up on someone's knee and getting literally no cards, and. In that same game, that same kind of play, a Charlotte player elbows someone in the face, high arm, and nothing gets called there either. Um, I think in a in a in a world where pro refs are consistent, which isn't going to happen anytime soon, uh, that is a call that should be a red card, just out of uh, an observation of safety, like just being overly cautious in those kinds of situations. We know Emma, it's not like he's going up elbow high. Like he's not going up and cocking his elbow. It's just he does a weird movement with his body and that gets it so that the arm is like right in someone's face. Yeah, it's it's elbow area to the face, but it's it's a difficult one to swallow because I don't know. Like Nico said, there was there's been inconsistencies just not in just this game but in other MLS games and you're just it's a difficult thing to accept whenever whenever pro is consistent. Oh, you're muted. It just says you muted yourself, so Well. Check on the interface, Jose. Yeah. So I think you have the ability to inter to mute yourself in the little web browser or whatever. It's your headphones. Oh, that's that stinks. We see a lot of MIGs there. Well, all right, it's all right, uh, Jose. This is you, you. 
we'll work we'll work through it all. It just says uh, I see a little thing. It comes up and says you muted yourself. But all right. So I so this is the other thing about the the game because because I saw in the chat too like right after Emma was sent off, uh, there was a another pretty tough tackle Mario of uh, of LAFC and that maybe it should have gone to VAR. I haven't seen any replays of it, so I can't say um, one way or the other. Uh, you know, myself, kind of whether FC Dallas got outdone there. But I did. So what was interesting uh, was that I did. Uh, no, you notice that Nico got that yellow card right before halftime. He went up to basically up to the touchline by the fourth official and stood there. Um, and, and, and the official came over and gave him a yellow card. So I asked him about that uh, after the game as well. And this is what uh, he said. No, I did on purpose. I wanted to see my players. I'm fighting for them. You know, I, I told them. And they have to get a, a red card. I'll get it. All, we are all fighting today together. And they have to see that I have the energy to fight with them. And then uh, I, I think... Uh, they saw that also, and it helped them to understand that we, we were fighting from the bench with them and helping them to achieve uh, our objective today that is coming here and win the, the champion. Nico, gotta love that guy. I mean, it says something that in all of these press conferences, Nico is usually very vague and like supportive and positive. Um, like after games, despite like a, a loss or anything like that, he usually doesn't talk about referee decisions or anything like that. And so for him to do it like this, for him to come out, for him to get the yellow card before halftime, it it shows that like again, it's not a game where you look at the decisions and you say these were wrong decisions, right? N- nothing here was one hundred percent an incorrect call. Uh, and, like, I usually give refs the benefit of the doubt because I was a ref at some point. But when it's – when in the entirety of the game, the LAFC only have two yellow cards when we have, like, five or six, and then we have a red card. And then you have the Obreon who moves out of the way before the ball even passes him. Um, and then you have the penalty kick where Siki doesn't even see the player coming up from behind him. Like, all of these things just make it so it just feels – like an unfairly called the game, mm-hmm. and it's just frustrating because, like, like um, Jose said, LAFC is probably one of the like a, a really it's a really good team, probably one of the best in the league, and we were there and we were there and we competed, and so it feels like the loss was not because of mistakes, which there were, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like the referee put his finger on the scale just a little bit and that allowed LAFC to get what they needed. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, it's, it's my headset. It's, I bang at it a couple of times and I, I can see it coming in now. So I apologize for that. And I got so didn't get repaired. Uh, but uh, what I'm saying is I was agreeing earlier with Ishmael uh, that basically, yes, you, you want to say that, that they might deserve that red card. But you want to say if that's called evenly across the league and in-game, you don't see that, and that's what's frustrating. If that's not a red card elsewhere, then why is it a red card here? 
and vice versa. So just frustrating because um, in general, it, it seems like when Dallas is on, uh, FC Dallas is on the road, games, you know, tend to be called in favor of the opponents or not necessarily called, but uh, like Vancouver was allowed to be way more physical than, than uh, you would like to see, stuff like that. You, you see what, to us, appears like a clear home advantage for the home team when FC Dallas on the road, but you don't really see that at FC Dallas games, at least mm -hmm. – you know, I don't know, maybe I'd be in a complete homer, but to me it appears that way, not to the same level that, that you see these other teams getting. Getting, uh, You know, LAFC shouldn't need the help of the officials to be the Dallas. Right. And I think Nico would, have, would agree with you, Jose. And you know, he said it was interesting when he was asked a question by an LAFC reporter. He said, and I didn't, I didn't pull the code out, but um, that – when they walked across to, to shake hands that um, LAFC staff were were uh, were well told him that hey y'all deserve more y'all deserve something out of this match and he said that doesn't happen very often so I think even LAFC knew that they were a bit lucky they, they, they benefited from some of those calls that maybe in other games, are a little more 50-50 or, yeah, a little more that orange that kind of that could maybe, yes, you know, it could be a little mm -hmm. harsh, you know, that you, you typically don't get all those calls to go your way in, in, over the course yeah. of the match. I mean, like, like this LASC team, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't a full-strength full team because Buanga wasn't in there at the start. Um, you had Tillman who got his first start. You had uh, their left back. uh they didn't have their full starting limit because it's the international window. And so like that, that's another aspect that's a little frustrating because you come into this game and FC Dallas is pretty lucky where they haven't had a lot of players called up. And so you, th this game, it wasn't like LAFC dominated. They, they control the pace of the game because that's their style, but they right. weren't, they weren't the better team throughout the entire game. They were, they were missing chances. They weren't really creating that many. Um, it was based off of the little press that they do occasionally off of set pieces. They were a little bit dangerous, but they weren't. They, they weren't the better. Like they weren't dominating, and so it just feels frustrating whenever the team comes out and plays pretty well and still struggles to get. That doesn't even get the oh, the point that they definitely deserve. Is it me or was Nico criticizing the refs or not criticizing the refs? Just, you know, it just appeared to me that way. And I don't know if he was trying to word it in a way where he wouldn't get fined, but it sounded to me like he was criticizing the refs. Yeah, I mean, um, I, yeah, I, I think I think Nico is understanding that as, as a coach, he's got to be careful. He's got to walk that line. Um but, uh, yeah, it was unusual. I think as just Mel pointed out, he's usually pretty even keel. And he's a very positive guy. And I just love his energy, um, um, you know, in, in these kinds of ways. But you could tell he was, he was really frustrated uh, with uh, just, yeah, just kind of how things, how things have 
unfolding this one and, and how close they were from seeing at least a point out, which if they had get, gotten a point out of this game down a man, we would be, we'd just be ecstatic. And, and they were so close, you know. And even at the last kick of the game, I think uh, Jimenez sort of had a, had a, was sort of in a dangerous spot, had a half chance, wasn't able to get anything on it and, or, or finish the play. And so, you know, you wonder, you wonder. And, and meanwhile, uh, Ishmael, you mentioned LAFC wasn't at full strength. Well, let's be real, FC Dallas wasn't at full strength. Paxton did not play in this one. He was there. He's suited up. I think he would have been available if they needed him. But it, I, I don't mind that because it's like, hey, give him another week to sort of be extra sure he's been so vital to this team. But the other big loss was was Sebastian Lejet, uh, who um, has been embroiled in his own controversy. And so, you know, off the record, you know, kind of thing. I was like, you know, what's, go- you know, what's, what's up, you know, and. Uh, but I, I don't think it really bothered the team. I don't think that was a distraction um, with the squad. I don't think they were like, you know, uh, they understood that people have personal issues and stuff. So, um, yeah, so FC Dallas wasn't at their their best, perhaps. Um, in this I also leader. want to add that not only were they not at their best, they were also forced to change formation to make up for the fact that they're too starting eights were out for this game, you know. So it, it I would say not ideal. I mean we, we prefer to see FC Dallas play in their in their four three three. Yeah. Uh, well you know, you would hope to see a formation like this maybe a you know US Open Cup matches or something like that. But you hate to see it in a regular season match where it's forced on you. As opposed to doing it at full strength, you know, with Rajad and, and Paxton available, that it's different. And, and well, I want to add that it also forced uh, Obreon into action, and that just caused all sorts of uh, frustrations to the fan base. May, not, not because, mainly because it seems like he hasn't progressed. Like he hit a certain level, and he's been at that level and he has you know we've all been waiting for him to improve or and, and maybe he showed hints that he can improve but he's never really seemed he's just at the level that he is and, and he hasn't seemed to progress at all as a fan you, yeah. you, you start thinking with you. hey if, if this is the highest he's going to be and he's not going to improve then maybe it's time for the team to you know give come on or one of the other guys a chance a real chance to explain yeah, and I mean, when you look at this game, like, there's a couple things that you can take away from it. One is, yeah, Obreon's probably, I think it's done. I really don't think there's anything else to gain from that. I also do think, though, that on top of that, Velasco in the middle is an interesting uh, tweak that this team can do. Uh, he had three key passes throughout the game. Like, he it, he always does come into the middle often in games, uh, but because of the way that the team's set up, he, um, he's usually like tried to be isolated one-on-one t- on the wing first. But he was able to, even with a midfield as good as LASC's, um, he was able to find gaps and like make those passes that were needed in the game. I also think that after this game, I think we can say like pretty decisively that Ibiaga is not, at least currently, a... Uh, 
the starter that we thought he might be um, because there's still a lot of mistakes that are made, mm. um, individual mistakes. And, I mean, when we look at this game, uh, the goals that they had, they, they weren't on Ibiaga, but they were defensive mistakes. Paz probably at fault for the first one a little bit. Uh, you had, like, Ibiaga kind of whiffs at it in the second one and kind of confuses Paz a little bit. And so there are – what I think – I can take away from this game a little bit is that it's a little concerning that the team still hasn't had a clean sheet, uh, given how good the team was defensively last year. And that doesn't, it's not a knock on everyone that's played so far because Tafari is as good as we've wanted him to be, if not better. Farfan is uh, consistent. Um, and I, I love Ima despite everyone not liking him. Uh, and Paz has always been really good, but I feel like the, the strength that this team had, the backbone that it had, was how good it was defensively last year. Um, and that was because the, we, we limited those kinds of mistakes, those kinds of stupid, idiotic things that sometimes teams in MLS end up doing defensively. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we can't seem to um, scratch that off early on. Um, hopefully, as the season progresses, we're able to clean it up a little bit. Yeah, I think um, I, I'm not giving up uh, giving up on EBA just or anything like that. I just think uh, Nico's not helping him uh, or the team by rotating between him and Martinez, you know. He needs to settle on one or the other and, and give them a run of games. Ibiaga needs to play every game to show that, you know, he deserves to be there. Or make Martinez the guy and bring in Ibiaga late for his let's face it. That's two set piece goals that him and Nicosi uh, uh, have combined on. That's mm-hmm. that's not a fluke. These guys have been dominant airily when they play together on the defensive side, and so that they're scoring goals means that they're starting to try to figure out a way to translate that dominance in the air on the defensive side into the attack. That's a positive. That's something they can build on. But at the end of the day, it's, you got to keep. You know, you can't have those set these goals negated by a lot of people to the opposing team. So um, I just yeah. wish Nico would settle on a two man pair and, and and let him roll and let him grow together. This rotation thing is, I'm not a fan of it. Um, here's, here's yeah, our but team like I said, I think we need a run. Ibiaga and with the chemistry that they're exhibiting. Um, yeah, we didn't even see Martinez make the field, and I thought he would have been a natural sub at some point just because uh, of his passing ability. But well, maybe maybe that's an overstatement. Um, and you wanted Ibiaga just because he's so familiar with LAFC and, and playing in that stadium. But um, yeah, it, it, I, Jose, I think you make a good point. Look, uh, you know, Obreon was awful in this game, and, and 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 I'm with Ishmael that probably that run is over uh, and. And if we can, if, if the team can get something from you know for him, if we can do a trade in the league or something, he, he, it's not terrible to have him on the roster because you know you always could use a speedy guy late in some of these matches, and he can he can have a role. And maybe he'll get on a run, but yeah, I have questions too. Like who's the best starting pair? I don't know that we know that answer exactly yet. Um, maybe maybe I can do that. I, I do think I'm I'm really impressed with with, with Edwin uh, with Cerio. 
at this point in the season. I think he's been a, a, a he's been stepping up his game, and he was unlucky not to have a goal. And if he had tied it up with that shot, um, it just feels like that. It was just like his form was finally, you know, like he's feeling confident. And when he feels confident, he can be a great player. But but Quino not bad in this game. Certainly not. He didn't wasn't the worst or anything. But yeah. It's hard to think, well, think long term. I think Sirio continues to improve. He's not improving, you know, by leaps and bounds, but he's making small improvements every year, every season. We're starting to see that he's getting better and better. So, you know, it's it's. I think he's he's to the point where he's still plays certain games where we wish we had a better sixth. But I think we can't really complain as long as he keeps improving and showing improvement, which he is doing. I mean, that's what you want from a player. And unfortunately, he's probably, you know, at the way, at the rate that he's improving, he's probably still several years from being that dominant six that we want. But I think he's on his way to being a solid, maybe not a dominant six, but at least a solid MLS six. And, 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 and you're seeing it. Is it enough? I mean, uh, I think it's enough that the team isn't going to go out and grab that dominant six that we want because they're going to say, hey, we do that and we're stuck to Cyril's growth. He's clearly improving. He's clearly just showing that he deserves to be a starter. And, you know, if a team can can find uh, a difference maker in another position and not have to worry about a six, I mean, they're likely going to do that. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to be honest. I've not been the biggest Edwin fan, uh, mainly because you have. This is why, like, I don't like to take stuff. I'm not taking any way anything really out of these first couple of games, because with Edwin, what we've seen over the last couple of years since the year he became a pro, is that he has these batches of games where he's like incredible. I remember when he first got signed. When he first got signed and Groeza was injured. And he was like the starter for like a good like 12 games in the first half of that first season of his preliminary season. It was incredible to watch because like you had another homegrown that was just playing um, past our expectations and just being super consistent with it. I remember that. And I remember specifically what game it was that he just started to play really poorly. It was that it was a Chicago Fire game when we went there and lost 4-0. And I think that, like that, I I think with Edwin, one of the things that hasn't been able to been shaken off is his, is how good he plays is based off of his morale, but almost 100%. But all right, well, we're live again. Uh, (laughs) um, Well, all right, Ishmael. So Ishmael, your point is exact. I think Edwin... Like I, I, I just think there there is a certain player in Major League Soccer that you get them on a good run of form and they look fantastic. But then they just have a hiccup, they have a bad game. And that Chicago game, which I remember so Yeah, I remember <laughs> so, that game. so well. Yeah. No one played very well. I think Hollingshead played poorly, Hedges played poor like it was just a terrible game. Uh and and it was just one of those Lucci games, but uh yeah, I feel like 
you know, yeah, I think that's where Edwin is. So if Edwin has a bad game, then he can get into a poor run of form, and then all of a sudden it's like he's starting over. But if he gets on a good run of form, he's confident, he can be a great piece on this team, a great starter, you yeah, know. But a great piece. No, that's the thing, right? So I think great piece is a good descriptor of it. But I'm at the point of now where I'm looking at how rapidly this league is growing. And if we want, we were third in, in the West last year, right? our expectations should be getting higher and higher each year based off of the results that we have. And so if we want to continue to compete, like if Edwin isn't able to set that, if he isn't a top 10 defensive mid in this league, which is something I think is doable. I think if he's able to be super consistent with it and continue to grow, that he can be a top 10 defensive mid in this league. But if he isn't that, I'm, he, there needs to be another player. And I understand right now Faku takes up too much of the salary to to justify it. Mm-hmm. So right now it's Edwin's role to lose. But he still hasn't shown, at least to me, that he deserves to be the starter of a team that's third place in the West. Like, it, it, I just still haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And I hope to be able to see it because I want this season to be a successful one again. So yeah, And of course, I completely disagree but that's 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 fine that's 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 the whole point with surreal is that he's going to basically uh, be a divisive player between fan base because some players you know they, they want that you know Grisso, someone along those lines and surreal is, is not that and and like i said he's years from being that kind of player, if ever but he offers other things, and, and, and I think that near goal, that shows you that he's becoming more of a factor in the attack, more of a, uh, a player that, that pushes the ball forward, which is, I think, what this team needs. Um, he, they need both, of course, but he gives he offers one of the two. And, and like I said, it's not for me. As long as he keeps improving, that's what I want to see. And... I think it's, to, it's fair to say that he's definitely um, set some small space between him and, and Kumbo to the point where I think I would like to see the team uh, at some point move from Kumbo and bring in another player. It doesn't have to be a dominant six, but it has to be somebody that can push Surreal for the starting spot, which I don't think the Kumbo can do anymore. Um, I think it's, it's Surreal has beaten him for that position and 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 that's what you gotta do you, you went out and got somebody to compete with uh Tuomasi, who is a solid solid defensive fullback i mean i have no issue with him there our complaint with him is that we all miss reynolds we all miss cannon going forward and he's not that but he's excellent on defense something that this team clearly treasures and but they brought someone in who is now going to get his shot to try to unseat him, and he wants to do that. It's going to have to be he's going to be able to match his defensive prowess while showing he can go forward, which he's already shown that he can go forward. But we need to see right. if he, he's going to be a liability in in the defense because if he is, then Tomasi will just simply take his job. But what I'm getting at is, I I'm okay with Surreal. We need to move on from Vakundo and bring in a player that can push Surreal for the starting job, which I don't think Vakundo can do. 
that's the next step for this team. You're not going to bring in a surefire starter, uh, a DP level six. Then you need to bring in somebody that's a step above Facundo and can push to one six three at the minimum. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine with that. You know, I, I do think that's that's a long term goal. I, I you know I said I, I don't think Facundo was you know certainly the best performance of his life against the LAFC, but um, he was he's, active. He's and, yeah, he's solid. He's a, he can do. He's a solid, you know. veteran player. But he's not the hundred though. Yeah, but I think I think he's not going to beat Surreal for that six. Mm-hmm. And let's yeah. face it. So it, that's what happened with Natalie. He was brought brought in to compete with Tomasi. So see them. So it's time to move on. Ishmael, the question I want to ask you. And I want I want you to assert your your heart. <laughs> but let's say Giovan Jesus comes in and just puts it together over the course of ninety minutes, and and Nico can't go back to Ima immediately. Is your heart broken? Are you okay with that? No, I mean again, I'm. I don't understand uh, people that have like the player themselves as the fan that the thing that they're a fan of. So like, I don't like Messi Ronaldo fanboys kind of piss me off because then it's just, it's just kind of looking at a player and just making them like your whole mindset. And so if Giovanni's able to improve this team and play better then yeah, for sure. Have him be the starter. People have already argued that he, he has made this team better and that's incorrect. I don't think we have seen enough from him to like determine that he he's he is clearly like more attack driven, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen him over the course of ninety minutes be defensively pushed, and I think that really matters if you're going to be playing on the same side as Ibiaga. That that's going to be extru- That's going to be crucial. Um, and so, if you if we are going for a Tafari Ibiaga center back partnership. Tafari ends up on the left. And so you're basically secured on the left because Farfani and Tafari are like very solid defensive players. Uh, I haven't seen enough of Giovanni to warrant that right now. And Ibiaga, again, you can keep giving him the opportunity to like to keep proving himself. But at least for right now, there are still little hiccups here and there that are slightly concerning. And so Actually, next game against a team like Portland, who are god-awful defensively, but have the attacking prowess to keep pushing and to, like, test, they're going to go for that corner if Ibiaga starts. They're going to go, and and Giovanni probably will be starting. They're going to go for that right-hand side. And so once if, if we're able to see that over 90 minutes... Then yeah, you you keep going towards you. He's the he's the young DP. I mean, no, he's the U twenty two initiative player. Right, right. That's someone that you're investing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no one currently in the academy setup. I mean, Colin Smith and Endley have both looked promising, but no one has looked as good as players like Hannon or Reynolds have looked like in the past, or some that have that kind of potential. Mm-hmm. And so you're hoping Giovanni is that. He's not. He hasn't shown that yet. And he hasn't given. He hasn't been given that opportunity. If he does show that, and the opportunities he's All given, right. then yeah, he should be the starter. Okay. Well, I want to agree and also disagree with this one. Once I want to say that 
yes, Giovanni Jesus has to make a team better, but not 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 as a starter, as a, as someone off the bench. By giving us five solid hitters coming off the bench, we got five guys that you can say, you know, and we're talking about whoever doesn't start uh, from the center back trio. There's one. Then you got Facundo. Then you got Jimenez. Then you got Giovanni Jesus. And then you got uh, 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 Siki. And and there's there's five solid guys off the bench. Mm-hmm. And Joe Giovanni uh, Jesus has is part of that. He's come in and he's given us solid. Thing. So he hasn't proved the team in that capacity. Now we won't know. We're going to get a glimpse. We're going to get. We're going to see him. You know, get his shot. And that's all I've been saying is, give him a shot. And and uh, you know, I'm okay with uh, with him proving that he can be. You know, maybe not replace Tomasi, but a situational starter where, hey, we don't need uh, a very defensive. Uh, excuse me, uh, right back against this opponent. We can, you know, maybe they're less than full strength. We can then roll out Giovanni Jesus, stuff like that. If you have a player that can be a situational starter, at least in this first season, that's a win for this team. And and, and uh, the main thing is, can he push Tomasi to become improved, keep improving? Because Tomasi is another player that has to be improved. Um, I do want to go back to something. All right. Issues, and that's that's uh, Velasco playing in the center. Uh, no, not if it means we're starting or Brianna or someone else on the wing. So, yeah. so if if so. if, Camungo, if Camungo is the right wing player, and if he's able to get those, if he's able to prove, like, because in preseason they said that he wasn't yeah. fit, so that's probably why he hasn't been given the run of games that we were hoping that he would get as a sub. But if he's able to push himself, push Obreon out of being the second stringer, I, what I was saying was that Velasco's a good option in the middle. It, until that Obreon. happens, until that happens, do not play him in the middle because then you have to play yeah. Obreon. So that's what I just want to say is is not at the price of playing Obreon. Not at the price of playing someone who's not ready to back up him or, or Ariola. I certainly don't want uh, Paxton being played out of position or Jesus being, you know, either him or Jesus being asked to play on the wing. To, to facilitate uh, Velasco moving to the center. So let's get that main backup on the wing figured out. And then, absolutely, yeah. Let's, let's, then I'll be ready to say give Velasco some, some uh, time in the center. But till then, no. Velasco has definitely been a foul magnet for this team. I mean, he's really earning some some things. And that, that I, I just – I value that so much because in it, it, some of those situations – it just helps slow the game down, get, give give FC Dallas a chance to catch their breath, you know, give them a chance to to, to kind of regroup and then, you know, have it a, a swinging in across or something on a free kick and try to create something when they're not generating much. So it, it was interesting to me that he was uh, brought off on this game because I thought he was a bright spot. But on the other hand, he was beat up a lot. He was hacked a bit. He was, uh, he was a focus of attention. So... You know, especially yeah. with, in a tough match like this, you think, why not give him a rest? We're going to need him at full strength ahead, you know. So, uh, it's just interesting. But good on him for Velasco for taking on that role and just understanding, too, i got to earn some fouls. I've got to dribble into the spaces and just get something going that's, for my team. That's good for this team, considering that we're one of the worst teams at, at getting PKs, earning mm-hmm. PKs, you know. 
So, so it's good to see that from him, and hopefully we start seeing that from, you know, other players like Paxton, who seems um, drawing fouls, you know, right. in dangerous positions uh, where the team can then capitalize. So, you know, I, I hope I hope the team gets its its issues. It's still early in the season, so yeah. So, so I'm not too concerned. Yeah, and I, I agree with Ishmael that that uh, we have a great keeper right now for FC Dallas. Um, I've been pretty lucky in that regard for the past few seasons, uh, and to know that you have a guy like Jimmy Marr that you could turn to if needed. But um, Paz has been keeping this team in games early, um, and and helping him along. So so good to have him. Good to watch him. Let's jump over now to North Texas. North Texas had their opening match of the weekend. They played LAFC 2 out here on the West Coast. I was unable to go to that match. I would have loved to see them. It looked like it was a an interesting KG match. I haven't seen the replay yet. I'm not sure what Apple TV is going to do. With yeah. That. yeah know, but, but evidently, um, you know, uh, Hope Avayevu, first goal of the season for North Texas. It, it, here I got the. I actually have the clip for it. Um, and so we just say congratulations to those guys uh, for for getting that tough win on the road. Here, here it is. Uh, kind of a one of these turnover things. You just take advantage of it. Um, hope with the with the the skill and the knowledge, just to you know, unmarked, just just slotting it away. Good stuff. And then late in the game. Um, here, let me remove our because I'm not sure. This is, oh, this is early. So this is early in the ninth minute. So they just really took advantage of. Yeah, it was the ninth minute. Yes. Yeah, early season, just early season stuff, but then late to preserve the win, we're able to get a huge save from Julian Eyestone, um, the young phenom, huge guy, tall dude. I mean, you could just tell from him in that goal. Uh, just to preserve the full three points, 16 years old, the next maybe goalkeeper phenom coming out of FC Dallas Academy. Got to love that performance. Um, Got to love three points on the road to start the season off for North Texas. Um, I, I want to go back and watch this one because I'm really curious how this team just sort of goes about their business, how they line up and uh, under their new head coach, you know, and I, I, we just don't know enough yet uh, to, to get a sense of, but like eight players made a debut for this North Texas side, which is kind of what you want to see, right? Yeah, I mean, and not just eight players, but also three of them were teenagers. Mm. Yeah, and I'll, there was a couple of things to take away from this game. Is that I mean the two the two uh, standouts from what I saw. Uh, Eystone was one of them. It wasn't just the penalty. He was like he made like six saves, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's making an argument for FC Dallas to pull kind of like a Colin Smith and maybe loan Carrera out to a higher a higher competing side in USLC. Um, just to be able to also give Eystone minutes and give Carrera minutes. If Carrera is mm-hmm. able to guarantee time in a USLC team. Uh, because I mean Eystone's still sixteen. So it's not like there's a rush, but what like if that's something that they're able to do, that would be really good. The other player that stood out was um, Urzua, and I, when you look at the passing map, he's literally like everything went through him, and it it's 
he probably won't be the starter because Sante is currently playing and starting tonight Party. with the Haitian, with the Haitian national team. Um, so he's probably a, a year or two away. Sante is from being signed with FC Dallas, but Orzawa proving that there is depth there is really, really interesting. It's like this is the first time we've really seen him like full out in a match where everything kind of relies on him because the attack kind of wasn't very consistent. They um, hope had that goal, but Mulatto didn't have that many touches in the game. Um, so there was kind of a disconnect. So just having the defensive side with Stone and the center backs both played pretty well. And then Orzua being like the chain for everything uh, was really promising to see, especially with so many players for NTSC out in this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to just uh, say that that um, the whole thing with Carrera um, – it's interesting to point that North Texas did like a little thing on Twitter where they announced their roster and they listed their three goalkeepers for the season and Carrera not listed. Carrera is not listed as one of the three goalkeepers that will be playing in North Texas hmm. this season, which, 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 which means he's going to be the third keeper on FC Dallas and they'll set him down to play from time to time. But, Listed as the number one guy is Julian Eystone. Is listed as the number one keeper for North Texas with Michael Weber, the Irish guy they signed out of a, a I forget what college that was, some college I've never heard of. Right, right, right. And, and then the third keeper is uh, Justin Stewart, who's another, I, I believe, another academy player. So he's, uh, he was with Dunmo too last year. And so, yeah, he's a, he's an academy age player. Yes, so he was he was a trialist, wasn't he? Also, I think so. Yeah, I think it it, it might not be trialist, but he moved from um, Dynamo two to the academy, and yeah. I think so it was, like it's so like, like I think you're right. Yeah, it's kind of like Pablo Torre, where he's kind of like both, but they haven't technically signed him with North Texas yet. So but yeah, it's it's Julian Eistone is is wearing the number one jersey mm. uh, with North Texas. So I thought that was very interesting. So I wasn't surprised when I actually saw him named as the starter. And don't be surprised if he's the starter going forward. And, and let's face it, he's a player that the team has to try to sign to another, you know, uh, homegrown contract. He's, he's, he's basically one of your studs in the academy. And that's saying a lot for this team, you know, Carrera. We all know that he should be playing at a higher level than MLS Next Pro. And this is a perfect level for Eistone to, to, to advance his, his career. So, color me excited to see more uh, Eistone uh, in action. But also, let me just say that um, on Twitter, on our chat, I call the W from North Texas simply because the roster, the, you know, the players that they, they Kamungo playing for them, Mulatto playing for them. Uh, on paper, it was like, hey, this is a this is a double. Now, of course, LAFC at home they played tough and they and they kept themselves and they gave themselves a shot to win. But at the end of the day, just looking at this team and looking at their opponents and, and looking at who they got coming up, this team can go on a run. 
they can. They get, they play Los Angeles Galaxy next, and Galaxy got smoked by uh, San Jose. Not a bad team, mind you, but not a team that should be beating them 3-0. And LA Galaxy has basically rolled out an extremely young team. Uh, they left most of their players from um, for the championship move on. So even the players that are remnants from that team were not key players on that team. So next week, I mean, again, on paper, just like I said this previous week, it should be three points for uh, North Texas. You know, um, not I'm just saying North Texas is a good enough team that they should beat certain teams. And, and if uh, Galaxy 2, they roll out a bunch of teenagers in North Texas, you know, it's at least two points on the road mm-hmm. um, for this team. And I keep telling people that, that they're one of the best teams in NML at Next Pro. And, and it's not because they're the most talented team. It's just because they're they're. A, Sheer, they're pure. They're a pure team. They got a, a set system. They got their coaches. Everyone knows what to expect. And if you roll out a average to mediocre team against them, they're going to get the double. The teams that beat North Texas are really the top tier teams, you know, the, the playoff level MLS Metro teams. It's going to be fun to watch. And, of course, uh, Jose has an article coming out on Afterburn.soccer. Uh, I got it coming out in the morning, uh, scheduled for the morning, his first early top ten. It's only been one week of action, so a lot of caveats, I, right? I want to point out that, that MLS Next Pro also has their, their own top ten. And they they went with all the winners. I mean, they basically said, anyone who won, won impressively, they, you know, there's no, there's not, there's no eye test or anything. It's like, oh, hey, these guys won four zero, boom, they're number one. You know? Right. Okay. So they're they're basically just taking the pure numbers. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, hey, I'm looking at the quality of the opponent. You know, was it a home win or a road win? You know, um, did you get two points? Was it on, at home on the road? I mean, it all matters. And so there's some teams on there that you know, my my top team is not. A team that won. It's not a team that that you know went out and won three zero or two one. They're just a top team, yeah. you know. So so it, it's people will look at it and there's at least I'll tell you right now that there's there are three teams in the uh, in the top ten that did not win their games. And people will say, hey, what about this team over here? They won three zero. I'll give you an example of a team that didn't make the top ten. That won impressively, and that's Minnesota United. Minnesota United got a 3-0 victory against uh, Real Monarchs. Real Monarchs are not a good team. They were not a good team last year. And it's not that they don't have talent. It's just that Real Monarchs tend to roll out academy players, a very, very green, very raw team, and, and development. They're focused on development. There's nothing wrong with that. But their academy isn't at the level of some of the other academies, and they're susceptible to getting beaten badly by teams like Minnesota United, who are going to roll out, you know, they're going to play multiple players from their senior squad on their roster. So 
on paper it looks like an impressive victory, but it's not. It's an expected victory for Musa United against a one of the teams that's going to be at the bottom of the table. All right. Well, um, some good stuff. So North Texas win. Congratulations to Coach Cano and that squad for getting the full three points. Tough game for FC Dallas and LFC, but we take some positives from it. We learned something about this team and uh, probably left some points out there despite some really tough situation. And Well, Portland comes to Frisco, and Portland's been pretty awful uh, to start this season, um, which you know isn't unheard of for a team like that. But uh, plenty, plenty of more soccer to enjoy and to follow if you're a fan of FC Dallas and North Texas. Um, so let's leave it there tonight. Thank you for the time. Sorry for the technical issues. We'll, of course, patch together an audio podcast. I'll have to merge the two files, but we'll make sure that happens. And I'll keep trying to it's figure out what's, what's going on on my end. You know, I don't know what's going on. So uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. And uh, go up to Dallas. Hey, y'all.